0: Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the Book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the Church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the Book of Acts. Visit kevinconner.org for details. Now Acts chapter 15 is uh, probably one of the most important chapters in Church history, uh, particularly in the history of the early Church and especially with the principles that, as we'll see, were established here. And uh, it was really about the biggest contention, one of the biggest contentions here in the Book of Acts uh, that threatened to divide the whole body of Christ uh, into a Jewish church and a Gentile church. And the main issue, first of all, is over the issue of water baptism. So uh, we'll read a few verses, first of all, and uh, then uh, just uh, touch on the high spots of this whole chapter. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Now remember the sequence here that Paul and Barnabas are out uh, establishing churches among the Gentiles. They go to the Jews first, to the synagogues, and then from the synagogues, whoever responded out that they established a New Testament church. And the New Testament church particularly consisting of believing Jews and believing Gentiles who accepted Christ. So uh, now Paul is starting to hit the, the trouble here with the uh, Pharisees and the legalists of that day. So that's the sequence of thought we have here. So certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So the issue is salvation. As you've got to, be, sa- you've got to uh, be circumcised if you're going to be saved. You cannot be saved without circumcision. Uh, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, and I like what one brother says, if they they didn't have a small one they must have had a big one, how many would agree with that, as just the Bible puts it so nice, Uh, so they had no small dissension and disputation, and this encourages me, it shows that they were not perfect in the early church. Uh, with dissension and disputation they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question and uh, being brought on their way by the church they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria declaring the conversion of the Gentiles and they caused great joy unto all the brethren and when they were come to Jerusalem they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders and they declared all things that God had done with them Now the issue here is you notice that this is what's referred to as the Jerusalem Council and the reason that they had to go back to Jerusalem was the problem guys had come from Jerusalem, the Judaizing teachers they had come from Jerusalem and they were following Paul around in the various uh, Gentile cities and uh, pressing the whole issue of circumcision and uh, so where the the trouble came from they had to go back to Jerusalem where the apostles were and where the uh, the uh, Pharisees and these legalists were uh, creating all the hassles, back to the church where the problem began. Now in verse 5 we're told, that there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses." So you've sort of got a double thing here, circumcision and keeping the law of Moses and whatever they all meant by the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that God, uh, that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them. So where it was going to become an us and them issue... Uh, Peter says, uh, God put no difference between us and them. So it's not us against them or them against us, but purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we, we were able to bear? And here's the crux of, the, of Peter's word here, verse 11, but we believe, uh, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So us and them, we and they, we're all going to be saved by grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, and the issue is Moses or Jesus. So, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So after Peter has his uh, word to say here, in verse 12, "...then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul." Declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So we have Peter's word and the sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You can imagine Peter telling what happened uh, when he was uh, waiting for lunch and fell into the trance. And uh, the Holy Spirit sent him down to Cornelius' house and how they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you could hear... Uh, Peter's testimony and now you hear Barnabas and Paul how the Holy Spirit has separated them in the church at Antioch to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles and uh, you can hear Paul and Barnabas telling what miracles and signs and wonders had been wrought and how the Gentiles had been saved uh, without circumcision that was the issue now verse 13 to me is very important And after they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. It seems at this time, by the way, reminding you of Acts chapter 12, that in Acts chapter 12, after Peter was miraculously released from prison, uh, we're told he went to another place. And it seems that James now became the chief elder, or the senior apostle, or the chief apostle up in Jerusalem, and Peter just uh, disappeared, just being here for the council. So uh, James gives the final word and he said, uh, James answered saying, men and brethren hearken unto me, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name, and to this agree the words of the prophets, plural, as it is written, but he quotes, but one prophet, after this I will return and build again, and notice what he does not say, and what he does say, he says, I will build again the tabernacle of David, Now, if he had said, I will build again the tabernacle of Moses, which is fallen down, then it would mean that the Gentiles would be coming in under the law of Moses. But he bypasses Moses, and the law of Moses said, I'm going to build again the tabernacle of David. Now, it's interesting to note here that on the day of Pentecost, Peter, and remember, as we've said before, in the book of Acts, they have no New Testament. So uh, I don't have too much patience with a lot of people that say to me, well, Kevin, I'm a New Testament man. I say, well, what would you have done in the early church so didn't didn't have a New Testament? And anything that God was doing, or God, uh, God was doing in their midst, they had to go back to the New Testament, which was in the Old Testament. And they say, oh, yeah, that's what Isaiah said. Oh, that's what Joel said. Oh, that's what Habakkuk said. Uh, that's what Amos said. Oh, that's what... And, and, and so they're all the time going back to the Old Testament what the Old Testament prophets said they had no New Testament so I tell these people who sound super duper spiritual, well Kevin you're an Old Testament man, I'm a New Testament man I say well I don't know what you would have done in the early church because they had no New Testament you'd be stuck with the Old Testament I'm not an Old Testament man and I'm not a New Testament man, how many know what I am? I'm a Bible man, how many are Bible people? people I like the whole Bible, 66 books of it, because you can't understand uh, one without the other. As one of the early church fathers said concerning the Old and New Testament, the new is in the old contained, and the old is in the new explained. And the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. And the new is in the old enfolded, and the old is in the new unfolded. Everybody got that? Uh You want to write that down, do you? Okay, just, uh, just put new, I'll say it again, just give you the key word. So the new is in the old contained and the old is in the new explained. So new, old, old, uh, 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 contained, explained. Key words. The new is in the old concealed. Concealed. And the old is in the new revealed. So concealed, revealed. And then... The new is in the old enfolded and the old is in the new unfolded. So you should have uh, concealed, revealed, enfolded, unfolded, contained, explained. Everybody got that? Thank you. Uh, Buy a tape. All right. Alright, so, uh, you know, so he's quoting from the prophet Amos here and so he says, After this I will, I will return and build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down and I'll build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek the Lord, seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth all these things. Uh, we'll just read a few more verses here and then I'll uh, get into uh, what we want to share known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world wherefore my sentence is and James I personally believe that James has a word of wisdom uh, from the Lord and the 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 court of appeal actually here is not Peter's testimony as great as that was not Barnabas and Paul not their testimony and the churches that were founded as great as that was the final court of appeal is the word of God this is what the Bible says Uh, As I say, on the day of Pentecost, Peter goes back and quotes from the prophet Joel. This is what the prophet Joel said, and that was the coming in of the Jews. But now uh, James here doesn't go back to Joel. He goes back to Amos and quotes from the prophet Amos about the coming in of the Gentiles. So you'll see how Peter quotes from Joel for, uh, for, the, for the Jews and, and James quotes from Amos for the coming in of the Gentiles but they're quoting from the Old Testament this is what the prophets say alright so that's important so then uh, verse 19 so it's the word of God that is the final court of appeal so he says wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God but that we write unto them and you might like to make a note of these three things before I move into the heart of what I want to talk about tonight that uh, number one they abstain from pollutions of idols abstain from pollutions of idols number one idolatry number three and number two pardon me and from fornication immorality so idolatry immorality and number three and from things strangled, and you remember that the connection here, things strangled that were offered in uh, pollutions of idols, in idolatrous feasts, sacrifices in the temples, and number four, and from blood. So four things that they were to abstain from, from pollutions of idols, from fornication, so idolatry and immorality, which were always linked, in those days, and the same, same spirit today, and from things strangled and from blood. Um, I don't want to get onto this because we'd have to spend a night on food laws and uh, you'd find out what I really believe then. Uh, how many have ever eaten blood puddings? Hands up. Now, it's not going to stop you going to heaven, it'll help you get there, there quicker. <laughs> but, uh, I won't command you, but I would encourage you that if you understood the full significance of this, you wouldn't touch the dirty, uh, you wouldn't touch uh, blood puddings, let's put it that way. Uh, Verse 29 repeats that, uh, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves ye shall do well. Farewell. Well, that was an interesting introduction, wasn't it, eh? (laughs) All right, now let's just sort of have an overview here of the real issues at hand because uh, it's all right for us down this end of the age, but what would you have done back there? Okay, so I want you to sort of see the case, first of all, for circumcision because this is the real issue here. uh, Circumcision, keeping the law of Moses in order to be saved. So uh, let's put up here Old Testament circumcision... And then, as always, the cross, that's what I call it, is the hermeneutical filter. And uh, we always say this that uh, in hermeneutics, we don't use the Old Testament to interpret the New Testament, we use the, interp- uh, the New Testament to interpret the Old Testament, passing everything through the cross. Cross is the hermeneutical filter. The cross is the key. So I always say to people, take everything from the Old Testament, take it to the cross. And you see there's either this, it's either fulfilled at the cross, let's put some words on here while I'm indulging here. It's either fulfilled at the cross, and if it's fulfilled at the cross, it is abolished, you have to find that, if it's fulfilled at the cross, abolished at the cross, or whether it passes through the cross into the new covenant. That's, that's, that's the issue so there, that's the test on everything you say well what about this what about this in the Old Testament okay. pass everything to the cross see if it's fulfilled at the cross if it's abolished at the cross some things pass to the cross some are abolished at the cross some pass through the cross into the, into the New Testament church so that's, that's always a good sound hermeneutical filter pass everything through the cross now When we go back to, let's, uh, we'll just touch on high spots, because that time just flies. That clock seems to go faster for me than anybody else. Could be a demon in it, couldn't it? Okay, now, let's go to Genesis 17 quickly here. Genesis 17... And uh, for your own notes, you can put down the whole chapter. We'll touch on a couple of the high spots here. Genesis chapter 17. And we'll go down to verse uh, uh, verse 9. Genesis 17, verse 9. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou, and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, and your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And then we go down uh, to verse 24. Abraham was 99 years Ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And then later on you'll see that Isaac is circumcised. At now, there's three particular things I want you to note in the covenant of circumcision. Why don't you put down this also? We've referred to it before, Acts chapter 7 and verse 8 where circumcision is called a covenant. So let's just abbreviate this. It's called the covenant of circumcision, God made a covenant a covenant of circumcision now in the, in the rite of circumcision in the Old Testament we have three things involved and I want you to listen carefully here because it's a big issue, it's no issue uh, uh, to us today uh, generally speaking, just a matter as to the physical rite is it of value today or any religious uh, thing in it we'll deal with that. Okay, so there were three things involved in circumcision. So number one, listen carefully to the language I'm using there was a cutting off of the flesh cutting off of the flesh and it involved for the male body and shedding of blood okay so body and blood cutting off of the flesh that's the first thing then number two the next thing that happened was this the name of the child was invoked. See, today we refer to it as christening. Why christening? The Lord Jesus Christ christening. Uh, The name invoked. But then this rite, number three, had to take place on the eighth day. Number eight, not the seventh day, not the sixth, not the ninth, the eighth day. So three things in the covenant of circumcision and anybody who failed to circumcise their children, they had broken the covenant. So in order to be uh, receive the promises and privileges and blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, people had to be circumcised. So Isaac was the first one. Now, you'll notice here, uh, and I'll just have to quote the scripture here, I can't take time to turn to it. Uh, the scripture was in the Old Testament and the New Testament was in Isaac shall thy seed be called now remember Isaac was an OBS only begotten son in Isaac shall thy seed be called so from Isaac on Abraham was circumcised Ishmael 13 years 99 years but Isaac at 8 days old the name was invoked for 8 days the child was nameless the name was provided but not invoked why not you listen to keep these thoughts in mind we're going to have to talk fast So the cutting off of the flesh, which involved body and blood, invocation of the name, and this was done on the eighth day. And the seed of Abraham from here on was they had to be able to trace their uh, lineage back to the only begotten son. They had to be in Isaac and they had to be circumcised to receive the promises. Now turn over to Exodus chapter 3. now as you understand this you'll realise their argument now if they're going to be saved and see their arguments I can hear their arguments having studied on this well look you know if if the Gentiles are now uh, when when Jews and Gentiles accept Christ who are they in? yeah in Christ see in the Old Testament it was in Isaac the only begotten son in the New Testament it's in Christ the New Testament only begotten son So that's always the issue. Are you in Isaac or are you in Christ? Uh, This is the New Testament only begotten son. So as we've said before there's only two only begotten sons. Isaac the only begotten son of the Old Testament and Jesus the only begotten son of the New Testament. And uh, this is the seed of Abraham, see, so their argument is look, if they're in Christ, and Christ is the seed of Abraham, Christ was circumcised therefore the Gentiles have got to be circumcised if they're Abraham's seed, if they're in Christ, uh, they've got to follow the law of Moses and got to follow this so they had pretty good arguments except Paul received some revelation that uh, they hadn't uh, uh, you know, heard yet All right, now, Exodus chapter what did I say, Exodus 3 uh, no, let's go a little bit further exodus anybody help me on this about uh, when uh, the Lord sought to slay him when he goes down to Egypt Ex- thank you, exodus 4 ok, exodus 4 uh, just as you glance over the previous chapter the Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush and uh called him and sent him down there but now a peculiar thing after giving him the revelation of his name I am that I am and uh, the Lord God and giving him these signs and wonders in the rod in verse 24 of chapter 4 it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him that seems crazy that God's called Moses told him to do signs and wonders with the rod and he's going to deliver Israel on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant. And now Moses is on the way there, and he's at the inn, and God sought to kill him. Well, verse 24, 25, and 26 explain it. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast at his feet, and said, "I'll oh, say a little bit nicer here. Surely a husband of blood art thou to me." So he let him go. Then she said, A husband of blood thou art, because of the circumcision. Now, all we can sort of say on this is hit and run away. Here in Exodus chapter 4, God has uh, appeared to Moses and said, Okay, I want you to go down on the base of the Abrahamic covenant. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I want you to deliver my, deliver my people Israel. But here Moses and his wife and son... Are going down to deliver Israel on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant, and his own son is not circumcised. In other words, he's not in covenant relationship with God. Now, I, 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 I well, I'm, I just won't say it, but I'm hesitant to say the implications in my mind. If we brought this over the New Testament church, when we think of husbands and wives and children. covenant relationship so it was such a serious thing back here that he failed to have the sign and the seal of the Abrahamic covenant that God sought to kill him and so Mrs. Moses (laughs) uh, Zipporah her name was she split the scene well I don't like this circumcision and it's a bloody business to me so she split the scene left him took the child back home that it was a serious thing. So no, uh, Moses could not do, deliver the people of God on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant unless his own family were in covenant relationship. Now uh, The implications in that are always frightening to me. So let the chips where they fall on you know, fall on that one. Now, let me just say one other thing and then we'll move on. Exodus chapter 12, did you know, and the implications in this are terrible in my mind. So I just let you try and pick up the implication. did you know that no Israelite could keep the feast of Passover unless they were circumcised so the Passover table unless they were circumcised so it was a pretty serious thing so you can imagine the arguments that the Pharisees and scribes are bringing up here the Gentiles had got to be circumcised I mean you know circumcision Uh, you know is of Abraham the father it's not of the law it's confirmed by the law so Moses confirmed but circumcision is not of the Mosaic covenant it's of and this is this is what's making it difficult we have the Abrahamic covenant here and circumcision is of the Abrahamic covenant which was a covenant of grace and faith and it was confirmed under the Mosaic covenant it's not of the Mosaic covenant but now we're coming to a new covenant and so They're saying, oh, they've got to be circumcised, Abrahamic covenant, got to keep the law of Moses, Mosaic covenant, and as I've said before, uh, they're bringing the churches into covenantal confusion, which some churches are in today, covenantal confusion, confusion of covenants. All right, now, let's go to the spiritual significance of this, first of all, in Christ. Okay, so we're going to take it to the cross, in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, what did circumcision as to its physical spiritual or physical symbolic significance what did it do it pointed to christ now let's see how christ fulfilled himself number one what happened at the cross of calvary he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he cut off and in isaiah 53 and the 70 week prophecy talks about and he shall be cut off in the midst of the week, not for himself but for others and for the sins of the people. So he was cut off and his body was broken and his blood was shed. So Calvi was the sword. Calvi was the knife of circumcision, the cutting off point. So the body and blood of Jesus and he was cut off flesh for the sins of our flesh and our whole life. Number two, okay, so we put that down to his death. Number two in relation to Calvary, particularly three days and three nights now, we have the reception of the name. Now we've done this in Acts chapter 2, that when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool, and let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom he crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he received the triune name, the invocation of the name. And then of course, fulfilling the eighth day here, when was Jesus raised from the dead? Resurrection, the first day of the week. Uh, Resurrection day. So, in the truth of circumcision... Christ fulfills it in himself. He was cut off for our transgressions. Body was broken, blood was shed. He received the triune name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead on the eighth day. So we, really we have his death, resurrection and ascension involved. All that's implied in the physical, spiritual, symbolic truth here. Now, what happens in the New Testament church? I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 2. Quickly, Colossians 2. How many you know that the Bible is inexhaustible? Six of us? Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Now this is an aspect that we don't uh, often bring out always because of time or something like that. Where's, where's Colossians? Page 251. Thank you, got it. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Now listen to the link up here because... Well, as I said it's an aspect of teaching we don't teach on too much and we probably need to do it a bit more but you'll find in the New Testament church that water baptism Holy Spirit baptism salvation are the fulfilment of Old Testament circumcision so listen to it here alright verse, uh, verse 10 Colossians 2 verse 10 For, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now you'll notice this, circumcision circumcised with the uh, circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses and so forth. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances uh, that was against us. Okay, now, this is what I want you to see here. In regard to, and it's amazing how many churches do see this that, who are really honest at times on this that the fulfilment is here. When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour and in salvation, what happens? We accept the body and blood of Jesus as forgiveness for our sins and in water baptism we are to bury the old life and we are to experience circumcision of heart, cutting off of the sins of the flesh as Paul says, cutting off the, of, uh, what's, what's the language, let me try and say it properly here, uh, circumcision in whom also you circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off, cutting off, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh so it involves salvation accepting the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ pointing back to Calvary and cutting off of the flesh life so that when we stand uh, in water baptism we stand there as dead dead to the old life cut off from the old life and living in the flesh and the whole, whole sinful lifestyle and then number two what's the next thing that happens the invocation of the name so we baptise you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ like as he was raised from the dead and so forth so it's the invocation of the name so let me say this kindly and it's a dangerous statement I know that but we live dangerously around here anyway uh, many people have had a nameless baptism because all they've had o- over them is quoting the command baptise in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's it well, as I said before, you never fulfill a command by quoting it. Jesus said to baptize into the name, not just quote the commandment. So in the book of Acts and in the epistles, 14 accounts there we have. They invoke the name. So we invoke upon you the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen that in Acts chapter 2. And then, of course, number 3, 8 is the number of resurrections. So let me note this here, salvation and this invocation of the name because... The only strict ordinance where the triune name is invoked upon us is in water baptism. Well, we pray in his name for prayer and healing and salvation, 101 things, but uh, the only place where he says baptise into the name, triune name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, is water baptism. Something about that ordinance that's caused so much controversy and hatred in the church and dissension. So water baptism, so salvation, water baptism... And the number 8 what is number the, uh, 8 the number of it's the number of resurrection resurrection so the holy spirit baptism comes upon or should as resurrection we rise to walk in newness of life now there oh Holy Spirit, resurrection. So, baptism in the name, Holy Spirit, baptism. And you see, just as circumcision in its triune parts, hear me what, what I'm saying here, circumcision in its triune parts, cutting of the flesh, invocation of the name, athe, in its triuneness, that became the sign and the seal. Okay, the sign and the seal of the Abrahamic covenant. So, the sign and seal of the new covenant involves all this. And the Holy Spirit's the sign and seal. Now, what are the Pharisees trying to do in Acts 15? And listen carefully to this, and we'll have to have a couple of scriptures then our time is through. I'll say this statement first of all. With all the Old Testament covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and the Noahic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, and so forth, what the Pharisees are trying to do, they're trying to take the sign and seal. Of the Abrahamic Covenant and the Mosaic Covenant the Sabbath days and meats and food laws and everything like that and they're trying to take the sign and seal of all covenants and put it on the New Covenant believer whereas the New Covenant believer has its own sign and seal which is fulfilled here in water baptism it is full of salvation water baptism Holy Spirit baptism that is New Covenant salvation that's what they knew in the in the New Testament all right now Let's turn to, we'll try and do two more scriptures if we can. Uh, Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, Romans 2, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and uh, we'll pick up in uh, verse 24 Romans 2 verse 24 uh, and see the significance of all we've been saying here for the name of God so the name the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you that's the Jews as it is written for circumcision verily profiteth if you keep the law but if you be a breaker of the law thy circumcision is made uncircumcision therefore if the uncircumcision the Gentiles keep the righteousness of the law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision and shall not uncircumcision which is by nature if it fulfill the law judge thee who by the latter and circumcision does transgress the law for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter and what does the word Jew mean what does the word Judah mean anybody know uh, okay Jew and Judah mean praise and he's playing on that word whose praise is not of men but of God so what's New Testament circumcision go quickly to Romans chapter 4, think I can make it and uh, Paul's the master on this and we're only just touching the high spots in Romans chapter 4, go down to verse 9 he's been talking about Abraham and David, so he says cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, how was it then reckoned? when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in a circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had been, yet uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them, who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. We'll have to uh, quit on this. I'd like to try and give you one more scripture. But this is what Paul, as the master uh, apostle, he is doing. He's taking Abraham and he's taking his two experiences here. So here Abraham was in uncircumcision. In other words, he was Gentilized and when he was in uncircumcision state what happens we're told that Abraham believed God Genesis 14 Oh, the implications in this are tremendous he believed God he obtained faith righteousness when he was yet uncircumcised and did you know this is all in Genesis 11 12 13 14 and did you know that when he was uncircumcised that he was met by the Melchizedek priesthood when he was uncircumcised, when he was Gentilized. Now, Genesis 17, he becomes circumcised and receives this as a sign and the seal of what he already had. And he still believed in that priest. How many see that? So why is he the father of all belief? He is the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles who believe and are under the Melchizedek priesthood. He's the father of the circumcision who who believe he's the father of all who believe but the physical right counts for nothing Um, looks like our time's up Uh, I'd like to give you one more scripture if I could turn over to uh, uh, I think it's uh, Jeremiah Jeremiah let's see if we can finish on this Someone might be able to help me. Oh, it's Jeremiah 9. I've got to just found it. Jeremiah chapter 9, just quickly. How many feel you got something out of this? Uh, Listen to the Old Testament even. Jeremiah chapter 9 and uh, verse 25 and 26. And listen to what God says even through the prophet Jeremiah. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Egypt and Judah... Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart so though they were externally circumcised in the flesh because of the life they lived their circumcision became uncircumcision they became Gentilized. but those who were uncircumcised in the flesh but kept the law of the Lord they were circumcised because circumcision is of the heart why don't you put down Deuteronomy chapter 30 in verse 6 we won't turn to our it. Deuteronomy 30 in verse 6 and the Lord even under the Old Testament and that's why Paul gets the revelation very clearly he says the days are coming when I'm going to circumcise your heart and the foreskin of your heart to love the Lord your God and so, as far as the physical right is concerned today, it doesn't have any value. Uh, spiritually, religiously, it may have some value physically, but not necessarily. It doesn't mean a thing to God. It's circumcision of the heart. Everybody said, Amen. So, I believe they were the arguments that uh, had to be sorted out and that Paul was the great apostle that settled that. Okay, let's stand our time through. Father, we pray once again that you'll take the words that we've shared tonight from your wonderful, inexhaustible word and Lord, help us to realize that true circumcision is of the heart and not of the flesh. Help us, Lord, to walk in the truth of what we've been sharing from your word. Thank you for this time of sharing together. Pray that your blessing will be upon us now as we separate until we gather again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All God's people said... Amen, God bless you Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry